It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to What Goes Up, a Bloomberg Weekly Markets podcast. I'm Sarah Ponsek, a reporter on the Cross Asset team. And I'm Joel Weber, the editor of Bloomberg Business Week, filling in for Mike Reagan and maybe trying out for his job. It's great to don't, have you here. I'm sure Mike, Mike feels a bit threatened at the moment. Yeah, don't tell Mike that. <laughs> Mike's off for the week. But this week on the show, we're going to do something a little bit different. Think of it as a special edition podcast in honor of a special edition Business Week magazine issue. This year marks the 150th anniversary of the periodic table of elements, and the team we have joining today set out to make the case for why it matters more than ever. We'll talk about the elements, commodities across the spectrum, and mine for hints regarding where we are in the economic cycle. To the nerds, this one literally goes out to all the nerds in the world. Um, We got really carried away with this idea early in the year, and we decided that we wanted to go full nerd, give it one whole double issue. So it is a cover-to-cover special issue. There's content for all 118 elements in the issue. The nerds appreciate it. The nerds rejoiced. (laughs) And as always, we'll close out the episode with our tradition, the craziest thing I ever saw in markets this week. But we're also going to do that with a twist. But Joel, I think we should leave the listeners hanging for now. Okay. But as always, remember, we do have our very own podcast hotline. That number is 646-324-3490. Feel free to give us a call, ask us any questions, leave us a message letting us know the craziest things that you guys have seen in markets. And if you're lucky enough, we might even play your message on the podcast. I can see Joel right here who has his very own podcast, Trillions, about ETFs with Eric Balchunas is pretty jealous. I'm, I'm definitely jealous that you guys have a hotline. I also will say if anyone has amazing stories from chemistry class in high school that relate to the periodic table, I want to know about stuff that went down in the chemistry class. But without further ado, I would love to introduce our great guest this week. First, we have Bloomberg Business Week's Jeremy Keene, who was really the architect behind this whole issue. Uh, that's right, Sarah. Yeah, I think you could call me the chief nerd if that's chief nerd. Chief nerd. And I'll I, definitely call you chief nerd. Joel has described you as a walking, talking version of the periodic table. I elements. just said you went full table. I did. Yeah. No, I, uh, you know, pick a number and I will have a story. (laughs) We'll We'll do a quiz. We'll find out. Don't worry. Don't worry. We have a quiz in the offing. (laughs) But also joining us over in London, actually, is Eddie Vanderwalt of the Markets Live blog, who also helped out with the issue. So, Eddie, thanks for joining us. Okay. Hi, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Joel, I figured I'll just start with you, even though you are doubling as co-host this week. Why did you guys actually decide to dedicate not just one single issue, but a double issue special edition of Business Week to the periodic table of elements. So one of the things we try to do at Business Week is take something um, 
that seems like I forgot about it. It was in chemistry class. And you can kind of revisit things like that. And we try and do that through the lens of business. And one of the things that we know about when you work at Bloomberg is that, you know, we, we're just obsessed with markets. Commodities are a huge market. Right. And when you actually think about the periodic table of elements, not with a chemistry class in mind, but a business one, effectively we're talking about commodities. So we felt it was a very creative way to take something that we don't often talk about in business week, commodities, and actually basically go full nerd on it. And in doing that, we were able to like bring stories to life that I don't think business week usually would touch. And I think the magic of that was really came from Jeremy, who leaned into the table, like I said, full table, and then managed to find people and stories that make you just reappreciate what it means to be a business story and a business magazine or a business journalist, for that matter. I will be the first to admit, especially on this show, we typically talk about stocks. We talk about rates. We talk about FX. When we do talk about commodities, we usually talk about oil or something of that matter. So something that really stood out to me in the issue was one section on elements that go boom and bust. And this really looked We're speaking at, your language. We're, you're speaking my boom language now. Boom yeah. and bust. Yeah. Um, but this is really about metals. And it's an area that we don't typically talk too much about. So, Eddie, why don't you walk me through the different metals that you guys looked at? And is it true that these typically don't follow the same economic cycles as you might imagine for the likes of gold or silver that are seen as safe havens? Right. Um, it's actually really interesting. It, we, we, looked at a, we looked at a handful of specific examples, but, but this is really the story of most commodities as they come and go in and out of fashion. Because you know, it's it's really interesting when you look at the, at the periodic table and you look at you look at the whole world around us, the the vast quantity of um, materials and 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 objects that we use day to day. There's only you know a hundred odd elements out of which all of this is made, and every once in a while, a new use is discovered for for a given element. We looked at um, palladium, platinum, uh, rhodium, uh, iridium. These are metals that are used in, in small quantities by really big industries. You know, suddenly one day somebody realizes this stuff is useful for something they'd never thought of before. And the first thing that happens usually when, when that's the case is people think, wow, we haven't got enough of this stuff. The world only produces seven tons and suddenly it goes into a mobile phone and we need, you know, now we're going to need hundreds of tons. So the price shoots up. Then you see you see this massive reaction. We, we've got rhodium which I think has had a you know something like a six hundred percent rally in the last couple of years because it's used in the in the exhaust pipes of, of of cars and as we want our cars to be cleaner they use more and more rhodium is is the is the theory. Then as the price goes up, then immediately people go out and they're like, wow, we've got to you know we used to throw this stuff away, but now we we've got to go out and explore and find more of the stuff. And then you see the price very quickly collapse because it's gone up. So you see these kind of massive spikes in commodities uh, in all of the elements from time to time. But these ones particularly because they are used by large industries which aren't going to, you know, use less of it. People are going to buy cars. They use a tiny amount of, of palladium in the exhaust pipe. Even if the price of the palladium goes up, they're not going to buy less cars. So you, you, you get these spectacular cycles. But you see this repeating year in, year out. And then you get people who, who just kind of specialize in, in spotting those trends early and going out there and, and getting ahead of the curve. So, Eddie, what are some of the magic qualities that these particular metals have? 
So your platinums, your palladiums, uh, they, they're part of the platinum group metals. They are precious metals. So they are precious because they, they, they're noble metals. They don't, they don't rust and so on. What you tend to see with them is, or with the platinum group metals in particular, which include iridium and rhodium and a few others, they are useful as catalysts. So what we use them for is in the exhaust of a car, we would, we would normally emit toxic gases. But what happens if you, if you coat part of your exhaust with platinum or with palladium is you can transform that gas into, a, into another gas in a really quick way, just, you know, purely as it passes through the, this catalytic converter. And you end up with, instead of carbon monoxide and NOx gases, you end up with uh, carbon dioxide, which is, which is still harmful, but not, not as toxic. Yeah, you're um, just warming the world, you know, it's all, it's <laughs> right, all good. So it but is, at, uh, at least you're not maybe killing people. Right, exactly. You're not, you're not getting, giving people <laughs> asthma and so on. So, yeah. And they, they're used in slightly different ways. And, and as the price differential between the various metals shifts, we'll use more of one and, you know, less of the other. But it does it does create fairly spectacular rallies and beautiful charts. Jeremy, flash quiz, what's the atomic number for rhodium? Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, it's 45, but oh, I did cheat. Did. I cheated. He I saw you cheat. I did. I knew it was the mid 40s. <laughs> I couldn't pin it down. But actually, I mean, looking through all these different elements on the table, when you think about the big industries that are out there today, does any one or do a couple stand out as you as really being heavily in demand for the industries of today or the industries of tomorrow? Um, the elements themselves. Yes. I mean, well, um, you know, certainly silicon remains uh, awfully popular for reasons you would expect, uh, computer chips and, and, uh, and there. Um, uh, you know, gold is also not only used in jewelry, but it's important. It's a component in phones. Um, you know, we talked about how for the old Tokyo Olympics that are coming up next year. I love the story. The, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're making the gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals out of materials recovered from phones. Really? Um, and part, yeah. of that, part of that is because the Japanese just have a culture of, of actually recycling stuff and trying to have second life for things. And so this was a huge government-backed rally to basically be like, bring out your, your old phones. That's pretty right. unbelievable. And they scavenged metal from it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, it raises awareness and gets you your medals. It also so. revealed a, a little secret about the gold medal itself, which is that it's not actually like fully made of gold. Yeah, yeah. it's like the most minimal amount of gold possible. It's Cheaters. like 9% or something, and the rest is silver. Wow. Gold medal is mostly silver. Wow. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Eddie, I want to come back to you just because I have to bring it back to markets in a sense. I mean, this past week, we did get 
ISM manufacturing numbers in the U.S., showing contraction for the first time since 2016. And one quality of the markets that we have been seeing lately is this unbelievable rally in gold and in silver. I mean, when you look at these metals right now that many market participants do very much pay attention to, what are they telling you about investor sentiment or the economic cycle? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that. Gold is really my home turf. Um, look, gold, gold the, the, the interesting thing with gold is that it is, it is useful. Far, we, we use a little bit of industry. A little bit goes into your mobile phone. A little bit goes into your airbag in your car. And the reason it does is it is the best at doing what it does. But other metals can do the same thing. They just do it cheaper. But you don't want something cheap triggering your airbag in your car. You want the thing that's reliable. So in those kind of critical instances, they use it. But at the right price point, we would be using gold as a conductor in almost everything. But because it's more expensive, we tend to use copper. So the fact that there's always this potential underlying demand for gold makes gold useful as an investment and a store of value because I can buy this stuff. I know even if investment demand completely falls away, I will always be able to find a buyer if the price goes low enough, right? But because it's so useful, that opens up the door for it to be used uh, as this kind of quasi-monetary asset. But if you think about all of the elements in the periodic table, what they have in common is they are, you know, they are real. There are in on the you know on the planet that we live on there's 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 finite quantities of them we have to you know expend energy to get hold of them so they are in a sense immune from inflation when people worry about inflation you could put some of your money in this kind of real stuff and what people are worried about right now with ultra loose monetary policy is you know that potentially so we've got we've got low interest rates and we've got high relatively high inflation. In fact, what we have is, is is low real rates. And that's the perfect environment for a metal like gold, for any of these elements, really. But what makes gold useful, more useful than, say, lead to store your value in is that gold is more expensive. It has a higher value to density. So you can store loads of money in a little bit of gold. And that's what's made it useful as a monetary asset over time. Now, at the moment, what people are worried about is they're worried about low real rates and that, that going forward, monetary policy is going to stay loose. And that's why you've got guys like Ray Dalio and, you know, these kind of really heavyweight investors and they are and they're, they're just they're throwing money at it. We've seen ETFs. Uh, we've seen solid inflows like I haven't seen in a few years. And that's why prices are up. How much did you guys actually think about or talk about and look into how investors can participate in these types of markets? Because typically you think, okay, you have the physical commodity, you have futures, you have ETFs, or maybe you invest in a country or a global economy that could benefit. I mean, what are the pathways? Um, You know, in some cases we looked, for example, at the hydrogen economy via Norway, where the country has really um, kind of backed it. And um, there are certain companies that are involved that, you know, investors could certainly invest in. We also published something of a how-to guide that Eddie uh, wrote along with a few other authors uh, on how commodities traders do their job, especially a certain brand of adventuresome one who will go out to mines and see how small quantities of, in this case, rhenium can be extracted from a mine uh, in Chile. So, you know, that was that was certainly part of it. 
and we kind of we you know we profiled some smaller companies that are doing interesting things. We did a feature on a salt company in Oregon that's privately held, but uh, you know could be an interesting play for someone. Um, we looked at cold brew nitro cold brew coffees oh, and wow. how how small companies are doing that and some of the chemistry of that. Uh, we looked at a company that's doing a radioisotope generation called North Star, um, which uh, you know that, that's a process that they have the only market on doing a medically necessary thing that the U.S. government has placed a priority on. So there's all sorts of little tidbits like that, I think, throughout the I, issue. One of my other favorite little tidbits is uh, an element that I, had, frankly, I'd never heard of, or if I had heard of it in chemistry, I totally forgot about it, <laughs> uh, lutetium, lutetium, which is uh, an ingredient in a clock. There's an effort to try and make the world's most accurate clock. And if you, if you want to step forward a couple of steps about that, because somebody else already has in the finance world, no doubt, someone's already already there before you. You think about the implications that has for finance, where milliseconds would yeah. really, really matter. And uh, one of the hedge funds that seems to have some interest in in sort of the space is Renaissance, who's filed a number of patents. But the, the lutetium clock, Jeremy, what's the significance of why lutetium performs so well there? Well, and this, this story is actually about essentially a race among the elements. So, uh, you know, you can't exactly uh, place a place a futures bet on on, you know, which one you think will will come out in front. But um, right now, the, or can you well, <laughs> mostly for the, for the moment, they're being done out of government agencies. But as you say, there are companies with a vested interest in particular ones. And uh, the, the leading efforts right now are one spot lower on the table, uh, Eterbium. It's being done out of Colorado. And we looked at one of the competing elements uh, being uh, investigated out of Singapore, lutetium. And, uh, but aluminum, others are being used. And the idea is that you can measure the vibrations of these atoms and the way that you measure the vibrations lets you calculate things to a very precise, um, to uh, nanoseconds, essentially. Um, and that has implications for GPS. It has implications for for trading, for all these other things. And the, the um, it just depends on, uh, you know, a particular atom's ability to insulate itself from distractions, essentially, from temperature, from um, somebody bumping a, a table in, in the next room. Um, you bump that off, your accuracy is gone. Well, it's extremely interesting. I guess I may even call it crazy. Uh, but this time around for our craziest thing I ever saw in markets, we're all going to go around to a pretty quick fire round on the craziest thing we actually think is on the periodic table of elements. So, Joel, why don't why don't you kick us off? Oh, I, that was not the question that I was prepared for. But I have a, I have a story that actually brings me back to Eddie because Eddie and I have had this ongoing email chain for a couple years uh, relating to gold, which is a little hobby of Eddie's, as he as he mentioned earlier. So, and as you know, Sarah, um, you've been a guest on Trillions before. I have a little side hobby um, talking about ETFs on mm -hmm. our podcast with Eric Balchunas, all Trillions. Uh, in the process of learning about gold ETFs, we learned that you know there's a vault that basically stores the gold that is the underlying value associated with the ETF. And being a journalist and one that primarily works in magazines, I always try and put a photo hat on and be like, oh, that'd be an amazing photo. I want to see gold in a vault. It's difficult. Uh, <laughs> I would go so far as to say it's impossible. So Eddie can probably attest to this, but at various moments in time, we found vaults of gold and I've um, invited the people who are stewards of said gold 
to put a bag over my head to like let me <laughs> go in. I don't need to know That's where the trust. vault is. I don't need to see the door to the vault or the combo on it. I just want to see the gold in the vault. Um, it's a standing offer. If anybody has access to one of these vaults and would like to let me do that, I would love to see it. But um, to date, I have seen no gold in said vaults. Well, we'll see if you have any luck going forwards. Totally. Eddie, why don't you go next? So I've got to say, I've got to say working on this issue and, and then reading it when it was done was one of the funnest things I've done in absolutely years. And, and the reason being, I thought I knew a lot about, you know, metals and about commodities in general, but there's so many, you know, niche metals that you, that you don't hear about and so on. But my favorite by far was gallium. And the reason I, I chose gallium uh, is because gallium is a solid at room temperature, but it's a liquid at body temperature. You know this was going to be mine too. Oh, really? <laughs> Stole her thunder. Oh, let's, see, let's see if I can top you. Let's, let's see, let's see what, you, what, what you were going to bring to the table on gallium. But it's not just that. Because, it, because it, it, it changes, it fluxes if you were to pick it up. People say that in the, you know, chemists uh, a few years back had made cutlery from it. And they would, they would use it to, to play tricks on one another. Like, I don't know, like a Gary Larson cartoon. <laughs> and they'd make, they'd make a knife or a spoon. I took this back to my, to my guy, Anthony Lipman, and I t- talked to him about this. He actually stopped by the other day and I, and I, and I talked about this. Uh, and he said, yeah, but you know what? People think this is how Yuri Geller, you know, the magician, this is how he did his bending spoon thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> that would wow, be I, I feel really... like I'm, I'm inside the, 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 um, the magician's inner circle at this point. That'd be a huge <laughs> commitment to magic. My view, when I thought of gallium, I feel like it's like you're a superhero. You can hold metal in your hands and you can make it melt. I mean, how crazy is that? But, Jeremy, since Eddie uh, stole my thunder anyways, why don't you give us yours? Well, I can, uh, that actually reminds me of uh, one that my father-in-law told me about, nitinol, um, which is a nickel-titanium blend that uh, has shape memory. So at a certain temperature, it will reconstitute itself as, say, a coil. Um, and, you know, it has very specialized uses, but it's not that. Uh, widely used, partly because it's such a specialized thing to do, but it looks really cool on YouTube. But that wasn't actually (laughs) the one that I was going to pick. I was going to pick a story about naming rights, which, um, you know, they, uh, and that's with the element uh, 106 Cyborgium. Um, It's one of the synthetic elements, which we did a big story on, on how uh, it sort of uh, became inefficient to smash atoms together to create synthetic elements. But there was a period in time when it was really important to national pride. Uh, During the Cold War, there was a U.S. lab at Berkeley led by Glenn Seaborg, after whom this element is named. And they got really good at it. They invented or they discovered more of the new elements that have been added over the last 70 years than anyone. But then a Russian lab got in on the game, West German lab got in on the game, and there started to be sort of an arms race to like get your own square on the periodic table. And there was a lot of disputes over who actually created, you know, element 104, who created element 106. <laughs> and uh, an international body had to be brought in to resolve the dispute. They sent scientists so, to all the labs to say, like, OK, we think you guys actually discovered it. Um, so you get to name it. And some of the elements, they couldn't really figure it out. So they, the panel sorted out, you know, which one would be named after who. So you get elements like dubnium named after the the Russian lab. And... Um, Cyborgium was controversial both because it was named after a living scientist, which was regarded as a little gauche, um, <laughs> but also because the body came out saying, you can't do this. We, we won't name it after you. And uh, the U.S. basically said, well, to heck with that. And a powerful chemistry body that published journals that all the scientists wanted to be in stood up and said, yep, we're, we're going to keep using Cyborgium. And the international community backed down and said, 
All right. It's a board game it is, so that's now element 106. I've got to say, I never really thought about the naming of periodic elements before. Oh. I'm, just, I love that Amer- <laughs> I'm missing out. I love that American scientists are like, no, we're putting our foot down. Oh, yeah. We got this one. Oh, yeah. And with that said, if you're interested, you can go out, find an issue, pick up Bloomberg Business Week, and you can read more about all we've discussed and more. Subscribers are always welcome. You can also find the issue at Bloomberg.com slash elements. Or if you're a terminal user, go to MagGo. Joel Weber, thank you so much for co-hosting. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm sorry that I'm in the running for your job again. <laughs> he's scared. He's scared. And uh, Jeremy Keene, Eddie Vanderwalt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What Goes Up will be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, website and app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more listeners can find us. And you can find us on Twitter. Follow me at, at Sarah Ponsek. Mike is at Reganonymous. Joel Weber is at Joel Weber Show. And check out Bloomberg Business Week at BW. You can also follow Bloomberg Podcasts at Podcasts. What Goes Up is produced by Topher Forges. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.